Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito. We are honored to have with us now, sitting between us at the Cubs convention, on the score, Pat Hughes, whose mellifluous voice you hear on the score, funny enough, calling Cubs games on the radio. Thank you for joining us. Happy to Thank be you. here, Steve and Mike. It's uh it's a special time of the year. It's the best time of the offseason for a Cub fan to come to the Cubs convention and see all their favorite ball players and personalities. But uh, I'm just reminded every year, once again, how wonderful Cub fans are as a group, not only in terms of numbers, but in terms of graciousness and uh, friendliness. It's, it's one of the best audiences that a performer could possibly work in front of. I was remarking on the energy, not not having been to one of these things, and the energy in this room was was something else. And I ran that by Jason Hayward, who has been to one when Atlanta did it, right? And St. Louis did it, and he said nothing compares to what happens at a Cubs convention. He says, like, go to the St. I said St. Louis are good baseball fans. He goes, okay, but and he almost compared it to going to the opera, like golf clap kind of thing (laughs) at the games or at he says here this convention is like playing at Wrigley Field now you've been with the Brewers you're here you can compare and contrast as you say that Steve I'm thinking of yesterday when I had the privilege of introducing Lee Smith to the audience during the opening ceremonies now Lee pitched for a lot of different teams Mm -hmm. the Cardinals the Angels the Red Sox and the Cubs But yesterday, if you didn't know, you would have thought that he spent his entire career with the Chicago Cubs the way he was greeted during the opening ceremonies. And I think every former Cub, even if he only spent a year or two with the ball club, I think he feels a very special kinship with the fans and with his teammates more so than guys do with other organizations. I really do. And there's no doubt, and we had Brian Sandberg in this chair about a half hour ago, and he mentioned, he commented also about how how that was, and he's a guy who, who played elsewhere and then came here. He managed elsewhere, and yet, you know, you, you circle right back to the Cubs and that connection. I know the fans, I mean, Lord knows every time a player or yourself, we had Lund Casper here, I mean, it's people swarm here, people want to talk to you, they want to take pictures with you. It certainly is something unique. I don't want to say completely unique in sports, but it's it's one of the handful of places where this can happen. And guys like Lee Smith are just an example. And I know Andre Dawson, similar in the Hall of Fame room over there, signing autographs. Same thing. Guy who's well-traveled, and yet the Cubs fans really hold a special place in his heart. When Bob Costas went into the Hall of Fame, <clears throat> excuse me, when Bob went to the Hall of Fame last summer, he said it's really pointless to try to say which city is the best baseball town in America. But he said St. Louis, which is where he spent a lot of time, is certainly in the mix. And you'd have to say the same thing about Chicago. Mm-hmm. This is this is right in that group uh, with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers. And uh, you don't want to leave anybody out, but there, there's a group of about six to eight teams or cities that are extra special. And certainly Chicago is in that group. Well, Chicago is much more embracing. I grew up in L.A. You came up earlier in the show. Because I grew up in L.A. and I grew up listening to Vinny and I, I, in interviews I'd done with him, I was remarking the comparison between you and him. He would say, he said, Red Barber, who was his taskmaster and mentor, 
said if he dared come upstairs without an answer to any question Red Barber had, then he would be sent down to get that answer. So he became that kind of reporter. And that's what he did during games. You are that kind of reporter with attention to detail. And I think it's a, a it, it's something that jumped out at me. And you also make sure that we know you're reporting from Wrigley Field or wherever you are. That has to be by design, as is being a wordsmith. Can you share with the class and budding broadcasters or any kind of journalist what that process is like for you? I'd be happy to. It's a great question. But as you bring up Vin Scully and Red Barber, I was thinking about Vinny and how much he learned from Red Barber when he broke in. Vin broke in as a 22-year-old big league announcer in 1950. The great Red Barber was well-established and was generally considered the best announcer, along with Mel Allen across the board in America. They were the two best at that time. So Vin learned a tremendous amount from Red, including the detail that you alluded to, Steve, the preparation, the attention to detail, and also, now here's something, I love the history of baseball announcing. Red Barber gets very little credit for the call that he made on Bobby Thompson's home run in 1951. Red is doing the local Brooklyn Dodgers broadcast. The one that everyone is familiar with, of course, is Russ Hodges. The Giants win the pennant. The Giants win the pennant. Red made a very good, solid, strong, professional call on Dodgers radio. And the reason I bring this up is because as soon as the home run was hit, Red gave it a good call, and then he was silent because the fans at the polo grounds went crazy. And I actually timed it for 59 seconds. Red Barber did not say a single word after the home run. Now, if you followed Vin Scully's career, he does that exact same thing. When he called, for example, the Henry Aaron 715th home run back in 1974, I think Vinny was silent for about a minute and a half. He, he walked to the back of the booth. He had a cup of water. He talked to the engineer, and then he got back in the chair and began broadcasting again. A minute and a half of just crowd noise, and people said, Vin, why did you do it? He said, what could I possibly have said that would have been more dramatic than the crowd cheering as loudly as they were? And he, he had mentioned his words were, uh, uh, the chances of a, what were the chances of a crowd in the Deep South during a black man for making breaking a white man's historic record, and he was and he he, he, he same thing with the Gibson home run, where it was a lot of silence in a season so improbable the impossible has happened, and then Vinny went out and drove home. Yeah, Good night, really, everybody. He could have. He was there was such such as you said the crowd took over and told the story, and I think all of us, Steve, of a certain age. Now I grew up in the Bay Area, Northern California. Uh, I listened to Giants games, the great announcing team of Russ Hodges and Lon Simmons, both Hall of Famers. And then at nighttime, this is back in the 1960s, before the Internet or, or satellite connections or anything like that, we could pick up KFI, 640, 640 AM in L.A. And that was the Dodger station, and I could listen to Vin Scully. So I learned from three of the masters, also in the Bay Area at the time, was a guy named Bill King. Love him. Who is another... Uh, iconic broadcaster, football, basketball, baseball, radio play-by-play. -play. He's the best across the board, in my opinion, in the history of our country. 
But um, with Vinny, it's interesting. Another thing he always tells young announcers, he says, and he learned from Red Barber, make sure that you just bring yourself to the booth because you are unique. You're not like anyone else. And the more you borrow or copy from someone else, you start to water down the wine, I think is the phrase that he used. Bring yourself to the booth no matter what. But I, I told Vinny one time, I said, Vin, I think that's great advice. But I say there's some irony there because so many of us who have learned how to broadcast in the last half century have learned at least some things from you. So maybe subconsciously, perhaps, we do a little bit of copying of Vin Scully every single day. I'm with you, Pat. I enjoy talking about and thinking about and the history of broadcasting, the baseball uh, announcing, the various eras. So as you, you've been doing this for a while now, you've been around the Cubs for 20-plus years. As you go into a new season, and you know this team as well as anybody, how does a Pat Hughes prepare for the 2019 season knowing a lot of the players already, but some new faces and some new changes around the division? Well, you get used to change. You get used to uh, the turnover of personnel. You can probably take any big league team, and if you start today, that team will have a completely new set of 25 men on the roster probably in about seven years, maybe 10 years. Think about it. Very few guys stay with the team for all that long, and as a result, the entire roster will turn over every seven or eight years. So, obviously, I've been here now 24 seasons with the Cubs. Uh, nobody is still with the team from the day that I started. I've seen the roster turn over two or three times. So you get used to the change is what I'm trying to say. And you just adjust to that. Um, another thing I've learned from Vin Scully is uh, he said, I never get too close to the ball players. I like them. I respect them. I'll talk to them, to them anytime they want, but I don't really want to become too friendly with any one guy more than the others because I might tend, for example, if he has a bad day, to gloss over his failures, and that wouldn't be fair if you would not do the same for another player that you weren't that close to. So I think there's something to that. I try to be professional and courteous to all the ball players, but I, I really don't think that it, it does you any good to get too close to them. Where or how, I want to get back to a question I asked before, your, as Mike mentioned, your preparation, attention to detail for reporting, where and how, that seems like such a newspaper print kind of thing, although we all know it's not, and it certainly extends to broadcast. Where and how did you develop it and refine it? Because anybody who wants to go into this business should learn from you. Well, that's very kind of you. I try to read as much as I can. I, I read your column, I read baseball columns, I read anything online, anything about baseball. I read baseball books, which are still a great source for daily baseball announcing. Um, for example, there's a, a book by Robert Creamer, the late uh, oh, yeah. Sports Illustrated writer. It was called Baseball in 1941. And if you go back to that year, that was the year that uh, Joe DiMaggio had the 56-game hitting streak, and then at the end of the season, Ted Williams finished over 400. It's, it's a magnificent book, and it's, it's got so much good stuff in there that you can, you can tell a story about that particular season involving either DiMaggio or Williams 
at any point during a Major League Baseball season. So I, I think um, what I do, I try to read as much as I can. I also look for the humorous things that I find in the paper that maybe I can talk to Ron Coomer about and, and we can have some fun with. So I put those in a, in a column called the topicals. Okay, it's a topical thing. Or maybe the trends, or maybe there was a triple play in a game last night, or maybe some guy has a 25-game hitting streak, or maybe some guy's closing in on a milestone. Uh, whatever it might be that could relate to Ron Coomer and his career, I think we can have some fun with it. So I'll write that down. Now, also, you have to show the discipline, in my opinion, to not necessarily use everything you write down because the ball game may dictate that you have to focus on the ball game. If it's a one to nothing pitcher's duel and the game takes two hours and 30 minutes, not many of those games happen these days, by the way. Oh, they do. It's just only six innings. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if, if it's a one nothing nail biter where every single pitch uh, means possibly the difference in a win or a loss, then you, you don't really deviate and, and go to storytelling or, or comedy or whatever. You focus on the drama and the play at hand. But baseball being what it, what it is, which is a daily enterprise for six months, you might have an 11-2 ball game and you're in the fourth inning. Well, as my old basketball partner Al McGuire used to say, we would go to a commercial break. It would be 32-6, to six, Charlotte leading Marquette. He would look at me, Pat? Time to go to Plan B. <laughs> and, and that's what you do. You go to Plan B. There is no one way, in my opinion, to cover a blowout game. I think humor and storytelling are very helpful. But I think if you continue to just go ball one, strike one, and it's 11 to 2, I think you're going to lose your audience. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to do other things. So as we head into the 2019 season, we saw the disappointing end to last season for the Cubs. Really just ran out of gas at the end. Milwaukee overtook them and then beat them in the in the one-game playoff. A lot of guys come back healthy. At least that is what we are uh, uh, hearing from the players. Chris Bryant, I know, was up here earlier today. He says he feels great. Hugh Darvish said the same yesterday. Assuming health, and those guys are back, is this a team that, in your mind, is the favorite in the NL Central? It's a tough division, and, and St. Louis has certainly added pieces, as have the Reds. Mike, this might be kind of an old-fashioned viewpoint, but what I always do is I look at who won the division last year. As far as I'm concerned, that team, unless they've had a fire sale and gotten rid of several key players, um, I, I think the team that won the division the year before, Milwaukee, is the team to beat right now. Now, everything in baseball is subject to change. Uh, May 1st or June 1st, Milwaukee may be... 10 games under 500. You don't know. But St. Louis strengthened themselves. The Reds made that big trade with the Dodgers. Their offense is much better. Their pitching staff is better. The Pirates have a very good pitching staff. I think it's going to be a, a heck of a race. Uh, I, I would hope that the Cubs are a strong contender. But the fact is, baseball is absolutely unpredictable. And there are so many things that happen that even if you're the smartest baseball guy in the world, and, and the Cubs have two of the smartest people I've ever seen in the game, in Theo Epstein and Joe Madden. And as smart as they are, they can't predict what's going to happen in the game. 
and neither can any other smart guy in any other organization. To me, that's part of the mystery and the fascination and the allure of the game of baseball. Well, if you're doing probabilities, I would say Paul Goldschmidt going off on the Cubs is pocket aces. He's a four-to-one favorite to, to do that against the Cubs. Before we go, while we were talking about other broadcasters, we have with us on the air in Pat Hughes, the only man to have uttered, a, to have been recorded uttering a phrase on radio about an accomplishment that hadn't happened for 108 years. And... Cub fans might want to know where they could share with the share the CD, get be able to have in their possession somebody actually saying to underscore it because they might not believe it. The Cubs have won the World Series. <laughs> Pat, you're the only man, you're the only recorded radio guy to be able to do who has said that in Chicago. It's amazing. It is. It is. And people can have it for their for their collection, right? Well, it's very kind of you, Steve. Yes, it is available at BaseballVoices.com. Not only is the, the CD that we put together, I say we, Mitch Rosen and Russ Matera did a, a magnificent job of, of engineering at the score, um, but it is the regular season of 2016. It's the postseason. Game 7 of the World Series has a full 10-minute track all by itself. It's available at BaseballVoices.com. And also, much to my surprise, again, I give Mitch, Rose, Mitch Rosen the credit for recognizing that my scorecard of Game 7 is a very popular item for Cub fans. Uh, I wasn't smart enough to realize that. Mitch said, let me have a few of those. I want to give them to sponsors and clients and friends. And people, they, they seem to love it. It's also available at BaseballVoices.com. But I will tell you, Steve, and, and Mike. Can I, can I just tell you, you're missing a revenue stream? That should be wallpaper for that, kids. That hangs in my basement, right? You, right you, in my, my little man cave you, there. Nobody I'm says you. you can't paste 100 of those together and turn it into wallpaper for a room in a, in a, a den, a basement, a sports room, a man cave. You're missing a revenue stream. Would, that, would there be a copyright fee? In case I, I borrowed that idea from you, we can I'm negotiate giving, I, off the air later I'm giving, on. I'm giving that to you. It's your scorecard. <laughs> Spilkus over there stole the ice, stole your scorecard. I'm just trying to help you out, help a guy make a living. That's, After that's, 24 years, I'm not sure the job it'll take, Pat. <laughs> so I just I just want to make sure you got some income, okay? Thank you. That's very magnanimous yes. of you. Thank yes. you. And by that's the way, at BaseballVoices.com. The other CDs you've done, I remember talking to you earlier uh, over the years, there are the legendary broadcasters we've heard. And again, going back to what we talked about, re your reporting, your attention to detail, it's, it, it reminds me of the audio version of a book I loved as a kid, The Glory of Their Times. Lawrence Ritter wrote this book, and it was players I'd never heard of before 1920. And the attention to detail, learning about broadcasters, because it's in audio form because it's an it's so such an audio it's what we do it's what we hear it's the way we learn most of us learn baseball and those are terrific who who's in the collection now well we've done 16 of them believe it or not i didn't know that Yeah, we've done 16 baseballvoices.com harry carey and jack buck were the first two and luckily and happily when they came out in the fall of 2006 that coincided with the Cardinals winning the World Series. 
And so Cardinal fans were buying anything and everything about <laughs> Jack Buck and Harry Carey. Sure. So that really, and Dan Caesar, a great sports writer in St. Louis, wrote a wonderful column, and I'm thankful to him forever. And um, he wrote it, and there was a great reaction, and really that elevated the, um, the CD. A guy named John Keysweater wrote an article in Cincinnati when I produced a column, or rather produced a CD on Marty Brenneman. Uh, there are CDs on Bob Euchre, Harry Callis, Mel Allen, Red Barber, uh, Milo Hamilton. Don't want to leave anybody out, but there are there are 16 of them. Vinny. And, well, Vinny politely declined, Steve. Oh, really? He was one of the first ones. I thought he was on your list. Maybe that's what Oh, I'm he's been on the list. Yes. He's still, he's going to be on there forever. Number one on the list. Yeah, and, and I love him, and he was so nice about it. Uh, he said he just didn't want to do it. Now, maybe I'll double back. Now that he's retired, I'm not sure, but um, I, I, I just did it. I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn more about the guys who came before me, and I, I feel like I have learned a lot. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to listen to these old highlights, the achievements, guys calling World Series championships or uh, Milo Hamilton calling Henry Aaron's 715th home run, all the milestones. I love that stuff. Pat, it's so great. We could go on, but they won't let us. We're so great to have you join us. It's a treat. Thank you very much for taking the time here at Cubs Convention. Best of luck. Baseballvoices.com. Every Cub fan should have a CD where there's only one place on radio you're going to hear the Cubs have won the World Series. That's it. This was the station. That's the CD. I love the wallpaper idea. Okay. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> I'll sign it, too. Pat, thank you. Thanks, He's Thanks Pat Steve. Hughes. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Mike Esposito, we'll be back with more from Cubs Convention. Bottom of the hour brought to you by Northwestern Basketball. Don't miss Northwestern Basketball at the new Welsh Ryan Arena this season. Single game tickets are available for Penn State, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Ohio State. Buy now at nusports.com. He's Mike Esposito. I'm Steve Rosenblum. We're broadcasting live from the Cubs Convention coverage of said convention sponsored by heat tito's handmade vodka america's original craft vodka at uh 145 in about 15 minutes we'll talk with julie de carol maggie Hendricks. they're here roaming around stalking jody davis they will have guests from two to four yeah we don't know if jody davis needed a tro We'll find but, out if Maggie found him. We're, we're not sure yet. And Julie, of course, is a recovering attorney, so she could... I don't know which side she'd be on in that. Interesting. Defending we'll, we'll, the, we'll ask. Defending the TRO or uh, or trying to get one. So the... Uh, we saw, also saw Mark Gonzalez here. See Gonzo, my, my former Chicago Intrepid Tribune. Intrepid Cubs beat reporter. He is uh, weeks away from a Mesa visit. So he'd written something about Cubs hitters. Cubs hitters who, aside from Addison Russell, who's a whole separate issue, Cubs hitters who need to improve. Cubs hitters the Cubs need to be better. And our guest in the middle of the day, Jason Hayward, is not on this list. No? That's the first amazing thing. That's right? It. They used to be a regular... We, we had plenty of off-seasons where we talked about little else. So, number one is Chris Bryant on Gonzo's list. I Without question. Get him, get him back to normal. 
And if it's just a, a shoulder thing that caused last year's uh, decline, wonderful. Then we Sid, should have then we should have no problems this year. Said he's swinging hard. Number two is Wilson Contreras. Slumped hard in the second half last year. And Joe Madden had said that he he believes Contreras is going too hard, trying too hard, trying to do too much after making the All-Star team. And he believed just Madden says he just wanted more, wanted to do more, try too hard. But, and he plays a ton of games. I think we'll see less of that. I mean, it would make sense to me to sub him out more. You've got Victor Caratini. He is a good backup catcher. You don't want that wear and tear to, to start affecting production. It hadn't. Last year, whatever it was, something affected his production. Uh, so perhaps that is something we see more of this year is more Victor Caratini behind the plate. Maybe you play Contreras in left field from here, at the, you know, from time to time if you want to let him play in the game but not have to catch. Speaking of left field, that's number three on the Schwerbinator. The Schwerbinator? Yeah. So he he's becoming the new Jason Hayward. He's always on this list. Yes. Um, and Gonzo notes that despite a 41-point raise in on-base percentage to 356 and 27 point increase in batting average but still it was only to 238 that's 27 point in the next step is reducing his strikeout rate he struck out more than 25 percent of the time Schwartz did and that's that's a cubs problem it's a baseball problem right and we saw chris bryant and i know they're different hitters but we saw chris bryant do that his rookie season he struck out a ton and he did cut that down from 15 to 16 in his mvp season drastically so there's certainly hope uh, and, and reason to think that Kyle Schwarber can do that. I liked what I saw from Kyle Schwarber last year for the most part. I don't know if, like, Lynn Casper was speculating the leadoff thing got in his head or it was Jason Hayward who was saying, when I asked him about Schwarber's defense, and he, he started talking about, rather than the defense first, he started talking about having to bat leadoff while learning a new position and the stress that that put a very young player under. Hadn't really thought about it in, that, in those terms. And, that, you know, straight out of his mouth, the first thing uh, Hayward said when we asked him about Schwarber's defense was, well, he had a bat leadoff, and he was learning that, and he was learning to play left. So a revealing answer, I think. Number four on Gonzo's list in uh, Chicago Tribune was Albert Almora Jr. So he saw only 3.36 pitches per plate appearance. Not much. Still ranked seventh in the NL in with a 368 on base percentage in the leadoff spot. So anything over you know anything over 36% is good. Um, but so much in the first half of the year cuz he just dropped. He dropped in the second half of the year and everybody they wanted all did, him to right? They all he's did. A, he's a kid I, I really hobby. rooted for. Yeah. But he was like the poster child for a broken offense it seemed like. Yeah, I mean, they, whatever they tried, I, I remember uh, working a few of those September games, and it's like, oh, man. The one game that I'm remembering immediately, I believe it was against San Diego, but don't quote me on that. They did nothing the whole day, and Ian Happ had a three-run homer, and that was about it, and they won 3-2. to two. And I, I, I worked that game. It was a Thursday night. I think it was San Diego. Whatever it was, they were winning games like that, but, of course, losing games that way, too, where mm-hmm. they'd score two or three runs and they'd lose. They just, whatever whatever Joe Madden, Chili Davis, whatever the, the brass were trying, any of the substitutions they were trying, any of the lineup shakeups they were trying, 
Unless your name was Javier Baez, you were probably not hitting anyone. Just didn't work. Last on Gonzo's list was Ian Happ, which is predictable. Yep. The the thirty seven point seven percent swing and miss rate. Bad. It's like that was everything after he hit the first pitch of the season for a home run. Good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. But it's like he missed every pitch after that for a month and a half. I like Ian Happ. I, I expect Ian Happ. I like to the idea back. of Ian yes. Happ. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I need to let this play out in my head. I think that this is something that plays out. I think Ian Happ has a nice bounce back year. As, as Lenny said when he was here, this is, this is a guy who wasn't here two years ago. He wasn't even at the convention two years ago. He's a guy who played his way onto the roster last year into the starting lineup and then kind of out of the starting lineup for reasons like what you're saying. But a young guy, still plenty of baseball ahead of him and really still learning as he goes. One of the things Theo talked about, Jed's talked about it too, that they're not done and they may not be shopping off the top shelf, but they're... They're willing to pull some relievers off the rack. Mm-hmm. And I could see why they would look at the bullpen because they're going to have to redo it in June anyways. They always seem to. Well, and I still want to know, is is so is Pedro Strope your closer until Morrow comes back? Because Morrow's not going to, from what I'm understanding, Morrow will not be ready to start the season. Uh, I'm guessing he is. So where does, what makes you think Brandon Kinsler isn't going to, maybe he doesn't suck. Maybe Brian Dunsing doesn't suck. Your bullpen is so much better if you're getting the Dunsing that you used to know. Well, if you're getting the Kinsler, who was a closer. Who used to close. And then if Carl Edwards, maybe Carl Edwards closes for you. We've been talking about him. I've always wondered about his durability. We've been talking about him as a possibility in that slot for how many years now? Now, he's got a few years under his belt, and he worked that setup role very effectively at times. Maybe he's the guy. I know Strope is the default, I guess, if Morrow's not there. And then when Morrow comes back, if he's a guy that you're going to have to spell from time to time, is, it, is that you want that as your closer? I guess you do. Well, you will, and I think it makes you better doing that. That's the whole idea. The way, the way Joe, Joe has played with his bullpen, plays with his lineup, plays with his defense, is everybody sees everybody from, or everybody sees, a different, sees it from a different position. And you're prepared in case something untoward happens. Mm-hmm. You're used to that. You, it, some guys are used to closing. Some guys are used to playing different positions. That's really helpful later on when, you, when you're not doing it by choice. And we haven't even mentioned uh, probably the most reliable guy they had out there last year, Steve Seashack uh, by the Seashore. He, he was with, with 80 appearances. With too many appearances. But he yes. was. That's, and part of the reason he had that many appearances is how, how effective he was. He, he was the best guy they had out there for... Yeah, that's the one thing Joe doesn't... He's such a manager of, in, in the, the most extreme profile of, the only thing that matters is the game today. The inning yep. right now. That's the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. That's why Brandon, Brandon Morrow, Morrow got hurt. And that's what you're dealing with as a guy who, who looks at it that way. And your, your cir- his circle of trust sometimes is like two people. Well, didn't Wade Davis pitch like every day two seasons ago at the end of the season? I and mean, if he didn't, he warmed up. That's right. So, Wade, sorry about that, buddy, but you're going in. I know, I know you can't feel your left or your right arm, but that's too bad. You're going in. 
We're going to break, and when we come back from the Cubs convention, we'll talk with Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks. They will be here officially from 2 to 4, and they'll have a guest list that is just spectacular. And We'll see if uh, Jody Davis had to get that temporary restraining order. Steve I'm Rose, guessing yes. Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome and welcome back. Steve Rosenblum, Mike Esposito at the Cubs Convention. Cubs Convention coverage is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka, America's original craft vodka. And we welcome to the stage, more deserving than us, Julie DeCaro and Maggie Hendricks, who will be here officially from 2 to 4. Are they here unofficially now? They are. They're unofficially because... There's a lot of people here. Is there something going on? There is. There it's must be somebody. What's all the snow? You I know? think yeah. Jody Davis is moving through. <laughs> if, okay, so Jody well, Davis, if you're here, I want to show you my necklace. That's co- that's a euphemism for something. It's, right? it's really not. Oh I, boy, I am is wearing it a Jody Davis <laughs> necklace. I am yeah. wearing a Jody Davis necklace right now because I love Jody Davis. That is impressive. He what was, Jody Davis starving, starring in the movie Misery? He's yeah, <laughs> he probably is running, running far away. Jody, Julie. Will you be able Joe to, as, even as a recovering lawyer, can you defend the TRO he's going to get Absolutely. out on her? I can. Okay. Thank you, Julie. You're a public figure. You should have expected it. You don't want women chasing after you. Don't be so good at baseball. Don't be so That's darn. That's my problem. I was never good at baseball. <laughs> That's right. I go on unmolested. Sure. So you have you guys worked at Cubs convention before? Have you done radio shows? We have not. I've, I can't, I've covered it as media once before, but that's it. I have not. Mike Esposito is a regular at all conventions. This has been... All of them? The Consumer, energy. household, everything? First. <laughs> Baseball conventions only. But yes, right. I've, I've had the good fortune to be at uh, both White Sox and Cubs. And I love, and I love them. I love fantastic. the energy. What do you guys think? It is, it's really fun to see, to, for it to be January, and see all these people super excited about baseball. Because... It's not only January, it's like Uber January right now. So, like, having baseball close by and something to talk about, it's fun. It didn't make the streets any easier to navigate. I stayed in a hotel, so it was easier for me. I took the bus. Wow, well, neener, neener, neener. I I envisioned texting Mitch about 10 o'clock saying, yeah, you know, I'm I'm trying. I'm I'm on my way, but, you know, 11 o'clock is just not going to happen. Now it did, so thankfully. I stayed with my son at a hotel like two blocks north, and I still took a cab here because I looked out the window, and I was like, oh, no. Not so much. Nope. I took I took the 147. Thank you, CTA. was super easy to get here. And and allow me, allow me as, as a... You know, proud suburbanite, I guess, at this point, after living in the city my whole life. The city of Chicago streets, which I navigated, once you get into the city limits, it's so much better than it is out in the, uh, you know, the, the greenery of Arlington Heights, where I started. It's an election year, man. This, Let this... me just tell you how clean those city of Chicago streets were. So well done to the guy uh, in charge of Santa, streets. Right? And, yeah, there but he's go. not running. No, but all the aldermen are. Well, it was well done anyway, because I, yeah. I, I was seriously getting worried about being late is how long it was taking me to get from the burbs into the city. But once I got into the city limits, no problem. All right. All right, Julie DeCaro, Maggie Hendricks, as Cub fans, I have them winning this year's World Series with last year's roster, providing it's going to be healthy. Doing this year what they were supposed to do last year, Darvish has got to be healthy. Chatwood, you, Chatwood, you can just hide. You can just tape them up. 
and put him in the back of the bat rack. <laughs> he's but not here this Chris weekend. Bryan, right? Chris yeah. Bryan. No, he's not. Chris Bryan has to be to the Cubs what Paul Goldschmidt I envisioned being to the Cardinals. So they didn't do anything, but did you share the angst of no big moves, not in on any big moves? Yeah, you know, a, there was a guy who asked Theo that exact same question and basically said, at the end of the year, at the end of the season, you told us this team was broken, the offense was broken, offense. and you've made no moves to fix it. And, and what Theo said was that um, he, he meant that it, it had broken, not that it was permanently broken, and feels that this offense hasn't reached its full potential yet, that there are still um, a lot more they can get out of these guys, and, and, and you know, feels fairly confident. And also talked about the fact that every single guy in this team, he said, and, and everyone behind the scenes, the training staff, everybody is looking to sort of make right what went wrong at the end of last year. So, you know, I, I always feel like listening to Theo talk generally always makes me feel better, but it, it did sort did of this? feel better. It yeah, does it have that effect on you, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I, I think for me, I have come to a come to some maybe a place of zen with, with the Cubs roster as it is because I saw a graphic the other day of what the Cubs rotation should be. And if it is that rotation, if it is a healthy Darvish and Quintana and Lester is playing pitching well. Hendricks, Hendricks and, Hamels. and Hamels are all doing what they're supposed to. That's a heck of a rotation. And if all of the hitters, if Anthony Rizzo doesn't hit a slump, if Chris Bryant stays healthy, if Wilson Contreras doesn't hit a slump, that's a great lineup. So exactly if they do what they're supposed to do, I don't think it, it's crazy to think that they're going to go to the World Series again. No, it's a big I, if, but they're a good team. I mean, they, they on paper are a great team. Were you guys on the, we were discussing it with, with some of our guests and amongst ourselves, because nobody else would talk to us. <laughs> the, the leadoff idea. Now, the World Series bias with Dexter Fowler made everything happier, better, all better. He was the Band-Aid. And Len Casper said, I get that, but what you need is a 36% on base percentage from that spot. Right. Where do you guys come down on that? I mean, that's exactly You have to worry about how that spot will hit. It's a luxury to have a player like Dexter Fowler, like, you know, always Kenny Lofton has always looked at as the prototypical leadoff man. That's a great thing to have to know exactly who is going to hit that every day. But if you don't hit, have that, you can use different players. And some players aren't psychologically in the right place for it. Um, we've seen some players kind of get messed up from being being in that leadoff spot. But as long as the player is up for it, then why not rotate them out? Can, can we bring back Kenny Lofton then for this year? Hey, is that possible? I'm all for bringing back Kenny Lofton. Yeah, I have no problem with that. He might, he's probably available. I mean, here's the thing. The theory all along has been that, like, you know, you don't need the prototypical leadoff hitter. Any one of those guys that is consistently getting on base can fill that spot. The problem is the offense has been spotty the last two years. So ever since Dexter Fowler's been gone, uh -huh. there's never been that guy. You go, who, we go. Could, absolutely. And so, you know, whether it comes from a mix of guys or whether they figure one guy to plug it in, it's not necessarily that you don't have a leadoff hitter. It's just that you don't have anybody consistent enough right now to sit in that spot. If... You had signed Manny Machado and put him at short and El Mago at second. You would have a middle-of-the-order guy, and you could make Disco Tony Rizzo your leadoff hitter. Wow. I mean, he is the greatest leadoff hitter of all time. It's true. And he'll be the first to tell you that. In fact, he was. Yeah. I do think he was I the do first. think he was. We, look, we had a nugget about his wedding, by the way. Oh, yeah? My, my daughter urged me to ask Jason Hayward 
about Disco Tony Rizzo's wedding. She works for E, so she was looking for nuggets, and she's also... And tidbits. And tidbits, and she's a Cubs nut. And apparently, I said, did you guys do that dancing thing where you just... Did you do it on the dance floor like you do in your Disco Tony Rizzo room when you win? And he said it was sort of that, and then all of a sudden, Tom Ricketts came onto the dance floor. Wow. And started doing something, and I said, <laughs> was he breakdancing? <laughs> Was he getting funky? He goes, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> he was doing something, but and we don't know what it was. We were trying to imagine what Tom Ricketts looked like and what he was doing. I really want to see that. I'm, I'm disappointed there was not video. I, there were a bunch of different Instagram videos from the wedding. There was of video, for sure, yeah. I was definitely stalking the hashtag and also saw the highlights from some other person's wedding that their last name was Rizzo. So I got to, you know... <laughs> My guess, I'm wedding. going with the sprinkler. Oh, I could see that. That's, that's and 80s, you're, you're doing 90s. a dance. Yeah, and, nope. may, and maybe the, the or maybe or maybe yeah. shopping at the grocery store. The shopping yeah. cart. It's the yep. shopping yep. cart. The shopping cart. You know, I'm trying to think what would be like from that his was like the time. fruit. Now he he probably was just trying to dance and <laughs> looking very middle aged white manish in doing so. So yes, that's probably I, I admit not been a particular style of dance or you know shopping cart or sprinkler or any of those you know jason hayward cool. couldn't figure out what he was doing no it was a mystery <laughs> which was the best part of the whole description he brought tony tom ricketts in and there you go all right we're going to turn over the radio station we'll let you start up the radio station so we'll get out of here we want to say thanks to len casper Woo-hoo! jason hayward the aforementioned ricketts nugget teller Ryan Sandberg was here. Pat Hughes. I want to thank Shane Reardon for muscling up. Zach Withers and Adam Zinsky in the studio. Brian Gurch. Ray Elizondo on site. Thank everyone who listened and um, responded on the text line, even though we didn't read any. We were so busy with Cub guests from the Cubs convention. Coming up next on the score, Julie DeCaro, Maggie Hendricks. With more Cubs convention, more guests. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to school. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it.